This is Thinking in Public, a program dedicated to intelligent conversation about frontline theological and cultural issues with the people who are shaping them. I'm Albert Muller, your host and president of the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky. Yoram Hazoni is the president of the Herzl Institute in Jerusalem and chairman of the Edmund Burke Foundation. He earned his Bachelor of Arts degree from Princeton University, his PhD degree from Rutgers University, his degree is in political theory. As president of the Herzl Institute, Dr. Hazoni leads research efforts in the areas of Jewish political thought, philosophy, and theology. Dr. Hazoni is an award-winning author with his book, The Virtue of Nationalism, winning the Conservative Book of the Year from the Intercollegiate Studies Institute in 2019. It's his most recent book, Conservatism, A Rediscovery. That's the topic of our conversation today. Yoram Hazoni, welcome to Thinking in Public. Thank you for having me. It's really a pleasure to be on. Well, I've really been looking forward to this conversation. Uh, I've been in an intellectual conversation with you for a long time through your books and writings, and uh, it's it's very good to have this opportunity. And the opportunity is really afforded by the publication of your latest book, Conservatism, A a Rediscovery. And uh, so I just want to start out by uh, asking you the question, why this particular book at this time? Well, I've been involved with uh, conservative things um, you know, m- most of my adult life, I mean, since I was in college, uh, even a little bit before. And uh, I, I have this feeling that, that in, in a lot of ways, uh, times have become more desperate than they've ever been on the one hand. And on the other hand, the, uh, the clarity of the, the conservative message, I think, has been, um, has faded uh, to the point that uh, it, it's very uncertain how you know how how are conservatives supposed to offer uh, aid and assistance in very very difficult times you know both in the United States and in in other democratic countries in, in Europe and elsewhere uh, and one thing that I know that um, especially the uh, the younger people who have some kind of an, uh, uh, an impulse in the direction of conservatism or the right more broadly I think that one thing we hear from them all the time is uh, what has conservatism ever conserved? And, you know, this, this is, um, you know, it's, it's, it's not intended to be a hostile uh, remark, although some, you know, sometimes it sounds like that. I I, I think it's a genuine question. Um, If we, you know, uh, look at the last couple of generations and we, we see the, the, the way in which uh, Western nations have abandoned, you know, uh, God and scripture uh, but also family and uh, and uh, loyalty to, to to the nation, to the independence of nations. At, at this point, man and woman, uh, honor and sanctity. I mean, the Sabbath. You can just go on and on. Uh, it. I think it's completely reasonable to ask, um, what is conservatism conserved? And the purpose of this this book, um, you know, rather than uh, being an apology for you know, how great conservatism uh, has been in recent years. What, what I try to do is to uh, is, is to ask what I think is the, the necessary question. What what would um, what would it look like to actually conserve something, to actually construct a society uh, and, in fact, uh, individual personal lives that would be capable of conserving things? It is a, a truth that right now. The issue of uh, labels uh, is as controversial as uh, 
as in any recent decade, I think, in American history. Uh, I, I grew up also uh, into the conservative movement and uh, in my entire adult life uh, have been a part of that movement and, and trying to understand that movement. In the earliest period of my life, the English-speaking conservative tradition uh, really came to prominence with the fusionism of National Review magazine and uh, uh, the, the context of the Cold War. It, it was further defined by uh, the Reagan-Thatcher years in, in which conservatives thought, okay, we found our political identity uh, in, in these two titanic political leaders. But uh, we're in a period, you know, 30 to 40 years later, in which clearly the term conservative itself has to be defined in its most basic term. And, and you, so you start out by asking, what has conservatism conserved? But uh, just, just define the aims of, uh, of conservatism in your, in your mind. I, I look my, my uh, coming into conservatism w w was uh, was during the Reagan years, uh, and and the Reagan Thatcher years it certainly is an inheritance of uh, 1960s fusionism, and a, a great deal of you know what we can say was uh, was was really accomplished, uh, rolling back socialism and the defeat of uh, of communism uh, is certainly due to that movement. Uh, but in in this book, I, I make an argument that. Uh, Anglo-American conservatism is actually a, a much, much older tradition. It goes back uh, quite a few centuries, even before Burke. And, uh, you know, I know not everybody's interested in this kind of kind of ancient history, but uh, but when you when you briefly take a look at uh, at this uh, English constitutional inheritance, which then becomes the the American constitutional inheritance with certain certain repairs, but a very a great deal of it is is in fact preserved for, for centuries. When 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 you take that broader look, um, I I think that you can uh, you can think of conservatism as a uh, as a political standpoint that places the uh, religious and national tradition at the uh, heart at at the at the heart of strengthening and uh, maintaining the nation. So uh, we, we have centuries of, uh, of uh, uh, thinkers and political activists who, um, who uh, uh, saw Christianity, uh, in, in particular Protestantism, uh, the, uh, uh, the English common law, which most people don't realize was uh, in, incorporated by the, the, the founders into the, 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 the national law of the United States, of course, the, the, the English language and, and so on. These, these aspects of national and religious tradition uh, defined for many centuries uh, who and what the English first, the British, and, and then the Americans, who, who, who and what these, these peoples were. These are the things that gave them strength, allowed them to recognize themselves and to have some kind of coherence. And and uh, I I think it's a it, it's a mistake to see this as an issue of, of race. It's not about race. Uh, it's uh, it's it's about these traditions and whether they are uh, upheld. So um, w when we look today at what you know what people call conservatism, I, I think that uh, in the 1980s it was still true, uh, as as Irving Kristol said that. Uh, that uh, conservatism uh, in this tradition was uh, based on three pillars: uh, first, religion; second, nationalism; and and third, economic growth. You know, so that that's a you know that's a statement from yeah. from the Reagan years. And uh, 
uh, th that's the conservatism that that I grew up with. And I think that um, I think that at some point after the the fall of the Berlin Wall, uh, the the religious and national uh, aspects of this movement uh, dropped out, and it became a um, you know, maybe with a little bit of exaggeration, but not much. It became uh, about individual liberty on all issues all the time. And, you know, that there's a good word for uh, for uh, a movement that's about individual liberties on all issues all the time. That word is liberalism. And so, uh, you know, even though uh, Anglo-American conservatives cherish, obviously, individual liberties, um, they're not the, uh, the they're not the basis and foundation uh, on which everything is built. The, the individual liberties are a crucial, cherished principle, but it's one of uh, of a number, and uh, that have to be properly balanced. So today, I think one of the great challenges for conservatives is is to to distinguish ourselves to uh, to redefine, uh, re understand ourselves, rediscover ourselves. Uh, as people who actually believe in a number of crucial, important principles, and 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 we aren't I, we aren't liberals. I mean, uh, liberals can be allies. We need to work with liberals in order to to you know to deal with the rise of you know woke neo Marxism and and the rise of China. Uh, but conservatives and liberals are two different things. Right. Well, I will uh, perhaps uh, just uh, set some issues before us here. Uh, what I feel in common immediately with you is that uh, I I start with the biblical inheritance, and my conservatism uh, also immediately gets uh, to the fact that it is uh, within, in my case, a Protestant frame, and an Anglo inheritance that, that is very much a, a British inheritance. Uh, and by the way, the works of Fortescue and Selden are on the the, the shelves in my library. Uh, to walk into my library is to walk into the library of your book. By the way, your books, and. Uh, and 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 from them to Burke, and even as a high school student reading Burke and and uh, and and understanding tradition, uh, and, and then later would would add others uh, uh, to that, but uh, but family, uh, church, in your case synagogue nation, uh, the, those those are the tripod of my understanding of uh, of not just conservatism but what we are seeking to conserve. I also want to uh, to throw out an argument. I want to get you to tell a story, but I'm, I'm going to throw out an argument, and that is that uh, that your your latest book, Conservatism Rediscovery, is really an amplification of uh, of what you've already introduced readers to uh, in the virtue of nationalism, and and, and so uh, you know, reading. And by the way, uh, you know, just a, a, I also brought your philosophy of Hebrew scripture here, uh, which I, I found fascinating. But uh, my point is this: uh, th this is an ongoing conversation in your mind, and, and books come out of that uh, out of that uh, that mental work, but also a sense of urgency. And so, my thesis is that uh, that I just want to present to you as an author is that this book is a continuation, in particular, of the conversation you started in the virtue of nationalism, and uh, and I want to ask what happened. That uh, that led you to believe this book really needed to enter the public conversation at this time. Um, I, I think you're describing it all uh, it, describing it all correctly. I mean, I, I my uh, my first book is already uh, 20 years old. It was called uh, the Jewish State, 
the struggle for Israel's soul. And uh, at, at at that time, America looked very, you know, looked really sturdy, and and uh, and and Europe looked okay too, and in a lot of ways. And and uh, the state of Israel, which is, you know, I, I I live with my wife and kids in Jerusalem, and that's where we make our home. And uh, the state of Israel seemed like it was, you know, uh, um, on on the edge, uh, uh, tottering, and. Uh, the 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 question that I addressed in that first book was, um, you know, was where have all the traditions gone? Uh, you know, there the, the, there was this uh, new liberalism liberalism that was uh, um, making life in Israel, uh, to my mind, uh, uh, unrecognizable and dangerously so. Uh, so th- that's actually where I, I began the conversation, and it, 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 it it's a little strange, but now 20 years later, uh, it feels as though those same issues which were so troubling about Israel have overtaken uh, America. And, and uh, I, you know, obviously Israel is a small country. It's very different from the United States in a lot of ways. Um, but at the same time, the, the, there is something that uh, that unites uh, all of the the Western democracies, all, all, all of the, uh, the the nations that have, in one way or another, um, come out of this 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 great Anglo-American tradition of of uh, uh, biblical religion and nationalism, and uh, we all are facing a a a common opponent that is that is mutating and getting, you know, more difficult to handle uh, with every passing year. Um, I think that. Um, we can say that in 2020, I think it's fair to say that in 2020, um, 2020 was a watershed. And uh, it, I, I think it would have been, um, it might have been a watershed even without without the, the coronavirus. The, the main reason 2020 was a watershed is because the uh, hegemony of liberal ideas, the, um, the, 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 uh, uh, political condi- political conditions in which you could count on most people of the left and the right to agree on certain basic le- liberal prim- premises, which which had been agreed upon, you know, basically since World War II, that came to an end in 2020. I, I mean, I'm not the, the liberalism is still a very powerful framework, um, but uh, I think realistically. Um, it, it, it is being severely challenged and successfully from from the left by by this kind of neo-Marxist wokeism, and I and I also think that many um, uh, non-liberal views, some of them are are I think are are positive and some of them are positively awful, uh, are also appearing on the right, and um, in a way. Everything is up for grabs now. The, the traditions have really been worn down to the point that um, you really almost anything can happen. And uh, I, so I felt, you know, this is just, the, you know, it's the last moment to be able to write this book and to and publish it and and feel like I, I put out there what I have to say. Well, it's an excellent book. I want to say I think it's one of the most important books uh, in conservative thought in many years. But uh, I, I would say that about your book, The Virtue of Nationalism, and did. Um, and and that, that gets to uh, one of the interesting 
contemporary developments here in the United States, and that's the rise of the so-called national conservatives. And uh, and and I would consider myself very much an ally of that movement. Um, if you go back to the American presidential election in 1960, so you know that's a that's a good watermark. Go 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 back 60 years from the year you just mentioned of crisis. If you were to take, as I do with students, the Democratic and the Republican uh, national platforms of, of 1960, if you can just take the name of the two parties out, it'd be very difficult to distinguish between the two. Even in terms of something as mundane as tax policy uh, and on national defense, the, the Democrats appeared to be more hawkish even than the Republicans. Of course, they're, they're challenging Eisenhower, uh, his, his legacy. But but as I say to students, you have to realize that the that the left, and I don't mean that just exactly Democratic and Republican, but in the United States, partisan binary, that's what it means. The, the, the Democrats have abandoned virtually all of this, all of it. There's hardly anything I think they would uh, they would associate with from their own party platform in 1960. The Republicans have added to their platform. It certainly uh, changed uh, uh, several things in terms of economics and, and the role of government, but but primarily they've added concerns to that 1960 uh, platform. But uh, but now we've arrived at the point where you know to say conservative is no longer to have a clear identity in, in a way that that enabled a, a political conversation, a moral conversation, a conversation about the good in government for the last 30 years. Uh, you are offering not just a definition of conservative. I want to say you're offering a rebuke. And uh, I, I revel in the rebuke. But let's be honest, uh, you, you are telling a lot of conservatives they're not conservative. Yeah, I, I you know, I, 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 I do my best to uh, to not simply be uh, uh, insulting. Um, but I, I, I can't disagree with what you're saying. Um, it's, uh, it, it's a little bit bizarre. I mean, um, men, there are quite a few people who are, you know, who are known as prominent conservatives, um, uh, and who, who I've known for decades, um, you know, we, 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 we've known each other well. And, uh, at some point around 2016, uh, they, um, you know, pro probably before then, but but clearly in 2016, um, they stopped uh, talking to people like me and people people like like me is, you know, is not necessarily people who um, who you know, were publicly endorsing uh, Donald Trump for president because I I, I didn't. Um, it's it's actually something much deeper, uh, which is that the 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 idea that. Uh, that there's something precious and crucial about America as an independent nation, that that is a traditional inheritance, um, that it's a biblical inheritance. It's based on uh, biblical religion. And if you throw out the Bible, then, then you're in danger already of losing your independent nation. These kinds of things um, used to be completely, you know, utterly acceptable. In the 1980s, They, I mean, they were you know, simply an integral part of, you know, of of uh, the way that Reagan and Thatcher uh, saw the world, and you know, pe pe people like Jerry Falwell or Billy Graham um, uh, were were a part of the Reagan coalition, uh, but you know, not an alien part. They were an integral part of that coalition, and um, and at this point, to say those kinds of things, um, it 
frankly, to some people who still call themselves conservatives, it sounds like authoritarianism. It sounds like fascism. It sounds like, you know, you know, something horrible. Well, uh, number one, you're not insulting in your book, but you are clear. And uh, I, I, I don't I don't know how many people are going to respond to this. But let me tell you, uh, I came to the conclusion about uh, six or seven years ago that the word conservative in the American and the British context, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, very involved in both in that sense, in, in both conversations. The, uh, the, the, the term conservative has come down to mean two different things. And I think actually one of them alone is legitimate. And that is that there are permanent truths. There are permanent virtues. There are, are permanent laws, uh, permanent uh, structures uh, of existence that are absolutely necessary. Uh, to have a flourishing society, to have any 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 livable human order, and uh, but I think what we have right now are two different movements, and and one of them just wants to conserve as much as possible while maintaining allegiance with the current regime, and the other one says no, there are certain fundaments that are absolutely necessary, and the loss of which uh, means we will not have a free, uh, a a flourishing uh, uh, society respectful of uh, of of human beings. And uh, so I, I just want to say, I think we're down to that now. I, 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 think, I think a lot of the people who call themselves conservatives or neoconservatives or, or hybrid diffusionist conservatives uh, 20 years ago, I, I, think they're, I think they're not conservatives. I think they are delayers of, of what they see as inevitable. Yeah, to, 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 to a certain degree, I don't even see the delaying anymore. I, yeah. I, I mean, it's... It, you're completely right. I mean, it's 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 just gotten to the point that um, that people are talking about um, uh, you know uh, an international liberal order based on um, you know based on individual liberties and, um, and 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 that's that's all they have to say. They're not talking about tradition anymore. They're not talking about you know certainly not about. God of the Bible, but but more than that, they're just they're just not they're not asking you know what is the Anglo American tradition what what does it mean how does it approach these uh, you know uh, eternal things those those questions are just just gone and it, it's it's time for a uh, it, it's it, it's time to part ways that there's I mean. They're liberals. They're conservatives. Like I said before, um, that's not intended to insult anybody. Um, we can have all sorts of friends and allies for all sorts of things. But if conservatives who are people who are who, whose focus is tradition as the strength of the nation, tradition as the, the 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 only thing from which we can really gather strength and and restoration, uh, people who are thinking that they're somewhere else. And, and, and we need to, at this point, we need to gather those people. We need to strengthen them. We need to, uh, to reteach ourselves and renew ourselves. Um, there's so much richness uh, to, to, to be turned to. And the, the, but the, the, the public debate that, you know, as you say, the fusionist debate, it's, it's at this point, so shallow. Um, we, we have to turn to something much deeper. You know, the, uh, the, the key, I think, to distinguishing your thought on conservatism in terms of the clarity of what you're trying to focus on uh, is indeed the fact that there's a givenness. And uh, 
and the the biblical rooting makes that extremely clear. The the not only biblical tradition but biblical authority within within the culture uh, makes that very clear. But there is the the importance of, uh, and I want to come back to the family and marriage in a moment. But but the the nation is is uh, essential as it turns out. Now, again, I I have to keep going back to your 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 last book before this uh, this most recent conservatism a rediscovery, the virtue of nationalism. Uh, you, you wrote that book partly because nationalism has been given a bad name. I mean, even, even conservatives who who uh, once would have identified themselves clearly as nationalists, they're now running scared from the term. And we have the left uh, routinely speaking of me and of others as uh, as Christian nationalists, as if we're supposed to be running <laughs> from that. Uh, and, yeah. uh, you know, uh, I'm not about to run from that. Uh, I'm I'm not about to join their one world order. Uh, and, uh, and and which frankly has absolutely no roots for the human rights they claim to be preserving in the first place. I look. I I just had this conversation with uh, uh, a, a a prominent person in, uh, in in Los Angeles who said to me this this uh, over over the Sabbath said, um, you know, all the words that. You know that we we would naturally want to use yeah. um, all of those words. Uh, nationalism is uh, is tainted, but so is uh, you know Christian nationalism, but so is Christianity, um, so is Judaism. Right. If you you know if you if you mean that you actually believe it and live it, um, and uh, we have to we have to understand this about the culture that we're living in is that that it's uh, uh, it's been. Um, uh, revised over the last 60 years uh, in kind of a, a, a rolling, ongoing cultural revolution. And uh, the, the, that cultural revolution has turned almost every uh, term that you could use to rally people, you know, something that used to be honorable into something that is uh, despicable, deplorable, as people say. Um, and uh, you know, we have to be careful about this. We 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 we, we want to make sure that uh, that the things that we stand for are not just reactive, but that they actually are constructive and uh, uh, leading to a restoration and reconstruction. Uh, but I think we 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 have to stop being afraid. I mean, it's you, you can't be afraid to use terms like nationalism or Christian nationalism. It, you know, the, the 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 haters have got the culture all lined up already. The only question is how we respond. You know, are are we going to step up and uh, embrace who we are proudly, um, or are we going to be afraid and and accommodate? I want to uh, press an intellectual question here, and uh, and and that is uh, uh, the issue of ontology uh, being. Uh, Largely missing from your discussion, and, and I think that might be because of a of, of a, 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 a a conversation that's, that's rather distinctively Jewish versus one this this distinctively Christian. But uh, when I look at the, you know, a transgender woman swimming on the University of Pennsylvania, you know, swim team, and, and you see the photograph. Uh, when you, you you look at the claims uh, uh, concerning same sex marriage and uh, now now pregnant people and uh, and and you know a same sex couple two men supposedly having a baby, I just want to come back and say that the tradition is grounded in at least my argument the historic kind of uh, Augustinian argument 
is that it's it's based in ontology. I mean, you can't, you still can't get past the fact that it's going to take a man and a woman. It's going to take a womb to to, to provide a baby. There there are ontological uh, truths that 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 tradition is going to have to respect. Uh, but even if even if a society says we're not going to respect those traditions, you know what the the sperm and the egg are still going to respect those traditions. Right. Yeah. Well, you and I are in complete agreement about this, but but you're also right. Uh, you, you're, you're right to notice that uh, uh, that um, my, my arguments are um, they, they they come from a a, a Jewish tradition which is um, a little bit less um, a little bit less emphatic about our capacity to use reason in order to arrive at uh, final final and complete truths. Um, the the Old Testament and the Talmud are uh, are, are they're they're not they're they're not texts that speak with a single you know a single clear sharp voice. They're texts that uh, have uh, um, you know the the Old Testament has multiple multiple prophets who don't always from a Jewish perspective they don't always say the same thing. They kind of argue with one another. The rabbis certainly argue with one another. I mean, the, the, the Talmud is basically a record of, of uh, philosophical and legal argumentation among uh, among different people. That doesn't mean anything goes, but uh, Judaism uh, is a is a school of thought more than more than it is a uh, a, a a sharp uh, doctrine, a sharp creed. And uh, our our approach to the way you look at the world is um, uh, is is kind of perspectival. The, the the truth emerges from the argument among different perspectives. You know, each one grasping a certain piece of the truth, but none of us have the ability to uh, to grasp the truth finally and wholly. So. Um, it, it, it's very interesting that that uh, that this you know discussion about the relationship between you know what can human beings know about ultimate truths is um, it's not just Jewish it's it's actually picked up by you know by 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 Selden and this conservative tradition and um, one of the you know striking strange things about. Uh, about English history that makes it so fascinating is uh, is that the uh, the the time of the Refor Reformation and uh, and the struggles of the 17th century in England are are a a time of great um, uh, Protestant learning in traditional Jewish. Absolutely. Something yeah. that very few. I'm, I'm sure you know this, but very few people in your audience know this. That you know that you you have a giant of Protestant uh, theology, law, and political theory, like John Selden, writing treatises. You know, hundreds of pages long. Uh, you know about the Talmud. Um, yeah, and this is something distinctive uh, in the Anglo uh, tradition, the Anglo-British tradition. Uh, Gertrude Himmelfarb. Uh, spoke of this as philosemitism, Brit British philosemitism, and uh, actually it was it was uh, Himmelfarb who introduced me to a lot of, of, of that tradition. And as a Christian, I was a, I, I was pleased and 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 surprised, honestly, uh, to find the depth of the engagement. But it, it wasn't just uh, an interest in say uh, Moses and and early Israel. It was an it was an interest in politics. It was an interest in uh, how the world. Uh, is intended to work, and uh, that that 
the, the wisdom of Israel translated into, which, I mean, it makes its way into the coronation oath of yeah. the British monarch. Yeah. Yeah, no, it, 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 it's, it, it's astonishingly deep. I mean, uh, you can go back, you know, as far as, people laugh when I say this, but it's true. You can go back as far as Alfred the Great, the, you know, the, the, we're talking, you know, we're talking about the, the, uh, the, the right. 900s or uh, he's, he's, uh, uh, he's uh, incorporating um, uh, chunks of the book of Exodus directly into the English legal tradition. It, it's an astonishing thing. It's an incredible yeah. story. And, and it hasn't been fully told either because, uh, you know, the, 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 uh, the academia today isn't interested in telling that story. Yeah, I tell people, you know, you, you don't understand the British monarchy without understanding the invocation of Zadok the priest in the coronation. You know, that, that, that's astounding in historical terms. It is. It, it, it's an absolutely astounding story. And, uh, um, you know, ju just from the perspective of scholarship and, and, and not political anything, you know, the things are, they're related somehow, but even if you're just interested in historical truth, the, uh, the uh, astonishing um, Anglo-American um, identification with Israel and, uh, uh, and and you can almost say a romance with uh, with the Jewish sources through the ages. Um, it, it's a, it's a beautiful and fascinating thing. I, I want to come back to two points, uh, two arguments made in your book. And uh, for, for those who are familiar with the conservative conversation over the last half century, uh, one of the shocking things that you underline. And it's been observed by by many, but you re, you really go at it harder uh, than uh, than than uh, than others in the contemporary conversation. Uh, you go at the the fact that uh, the conservatism and classical liberalism are not the same thing, and that this is a confusing issue. It was very confusing to me as a teenager. Uh, I could understand the claims of classical liberty. But uh, by the time you got even to the Reagan years, there were people saying, you know, we're, we're the true liberals. I mean, even Reagan played with that a little bit himself, having been a, a, a liberal Democrat at one point. We're the true liberals. We're, you know, the, this classic liberal tradition. And uh, one of the things I most appreciate about your, uh, your indictment is that you go right at John Locke. And uh, I must say, as a Baptist, in terms of religious liberty, I, I've, I've got to reserve some words of respect for John Locke uh, on religious liberty. But in terms of, of, of Locke's understanding that the only binding relationships on earth are those of consent, I mean, that destroys civilization. It, it, it doesn't further it. Yeah. I, well, you know, I, again, I think, I think there's a lot of people who, who just get upset because you know, at, at, at this point, you're not, you're just not supposed to criticize uh, uh, Locke. I mean, there's, it, it's a, it's an, it's an image of the American founding that, uh, that was born in the 1940s, 1950s, uh, which says, um, this is, this isn't a nation with traditions, you know, many centuries old. It's an idea that was uh, uh, in that was invented by brilliant people uh, during the Enlightenment, 
meaning to say, you know, it, it in the right. 1700s, human beings for the first time in history figured out, you know, the great truths that are universally true. Before then, it was all basically darkness. Novus order seclorum. Right and right and so and so that that picture turns, um, you know, Locke and 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 Kant and Spinoza and 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 Rousseau's on the social con- contract. It turns it it it. You'll think I'm exaggerating. It actually turns these books into a new scripture, and the books are are used in 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 schools. You know, of course, you know, schools where where Bible and God are are no longer taught. These books are used in uh, in in high schools, in universities, to uh, to advance a, a a new religion, which has has no no need for scripture and no need for tradition and no need for God. Now, I'm not saying that you know that that was John Locke's goal. That would be a preposterous thing to say. And uh, and and I, you know, again, I. I, I think Locke's, Locke has a place, is a place in the American founding and the Anglo-American tradition, uh, but that you, you, you can't turn him into a prophet. You can't turn his view of reason into God himself or into God's word. That, that, that's a step that is, um, it's not just too far. It, it, it puts an end to the entire tradition. And I, I think we we don't have any choice but respectfully to resist this. But it does explain a lot. It, it explains a very great deal, I think. Uh, and and you mentioned say 2016 and thereafter. I want to say I I think the roots were there before, and just in American politics, I'll say in kind of the breakup of the uh, of the of the Bush Republican coalition, um, in the aftermath of uh, uh, of the Bush the George W. Bush administration and during the Obama years. I think an awful lot of people who thought they were conservatives 10 years prior to that thought, no, we're, we're just going to negotiate a, a way through this. And, uh, and in a Lockean sense, you know, uh, uh, if, if everything comes down to consent and uh, the consent of the governed, uh, which means not just the government, but I think in the larger sense, consent to the culture, then we're just going to have to figure out how we can give enough consent to, to to try to bring out the better thing. So just to, to I mean, you you and I both know people in the who claim the conservative mantle, who made the argument that we should a, adopt and endorse same sex marriage because after all, uh, marriage is a conserving institution, and uh, and and so it will you know the the uh, the the liberation of sexual impulses is a given now. So all, all we need to do is and must do or can do is to to try to restrain that within certain bounds. I, I think both of us would agree. Marriage can't be anything other than the union of a man and a woman. Yes, certainly. It, 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 and, and consent to that it could be something else actually won't make it something else. Uh, and, and that takes me back to ontology. But nonetheless, um, you know, I, th- I think an awful lot of people that used to be called conservative are now just living in uh, an intellectually uh, of a foolish dream that's not conservative at all. You know this issue of consent. Um, it, it it's already taken up by uh, by 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 Selden and Hale and other. I mean, we're talking about you know many centuries ago uh, that uh, that that great English Protestant statesmen took up the question of can our society really be based on consent, and and they had a you know a, a, I thought a pretty persuasive argument. They their their argument was that 
if the only thing that's holding together, legitimately holding together our society is consent, if the only way that we take on obligations is is through consent, then you, you also have to say that when you stop consenting, then the force of those obligations stops, right? And I, I I think that argument that argument was being being made at the dawn, you know, the very dawn of liberalism by conservatives, and I don't think it's ever been responded to. There has to be something other than the consenting individual. If if it's only the consenting individual, then you've you've you, you've turned the consenting individual into God. He he alone decides what what obliges him. So it's it's not actually a theory. I mean, people it. The theory of consent is taught as though it's a theory of moral obligation, but it's not. It's a theory of the freedom from moral obligation. Right. And and if you extend that beyond the individual and you say the consent, say, of groups or societies, uh, uh, again, the, the, the consent, consent can only get you so far. Uh, yeah. Because, again, you can consent to the fact that uh, that people are pregnant, but that doesn't make people pregnant. Uh, and yeah. so... You know, I, I see this, I, I, I see these toxins released, especially among younger Americans or younger people in the Western world. And uh, they're, they're, they're fed this ideology. And I do think cultural Marxism is a good way to put it, by the way. They're, they're fed this ideology of liberation in, in which consent is, whether it's sex or for that matter, anything else or, or, or government, it's, it, that, that's, that's all that matters. But, you know, they can get together and consent to whatever they may choose. That doesn't change reality. And uh, and, and furthermore, it, it, it doesn't hold anything together. It won't hold them together. Yeah. Uh, reality, you know, reality, as I understand it, is not it's not only about what objects there are. It's also about what obligations you have. Absolutely. I, I because mean, one implies the other. Right. And so so, uh, you know, and, and I, I don't I don't actually. You know, there are versions of this argument that try try to avoid God. Um, you, you know, you, you hear this in academia that that you know, well, we have the natural natural law and it ob- obligates us. So, you know, the, the beauty of it is you don't really need God. And I I, I really think that's a mistake. It, it's a it's a, it's a mistake because again, this is going back to the, this this issue of, of you know how how smart are we. I think we just need more humility about our uh, our ability to, uh, to 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 figure it all out. Um, the 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 place that that God plays uh, in sort of the the economy of a religious person's thoughts is that you know when whenever you have a principle that uh, you're, you're tempted to say, "Wow, I know this for absolute certain. I can just you know I, I can just." rule the world on the basis of this principle because it's so obviously true a religious person bumps into god at some point along that way he bumps into god he or she and and feels you know i'm just going too far i i just can't know that much there's a there's a point at which i i have to say that there are things that are beyond me and uh god in the scriptural tradition it, you know, people talk about you know the, the guide the the guide rails are coming off. Have you heard that expression? But the guide rails are coming off, and the reason the guide rails are coming off is because the uh, the those those guide rails were the tradition of common sense that we inherited through centuries, thousands of years of of, of studying scripture and and uh, and placing ourselves in a humble relationship. Uh, with with the God of Scripture, and you, 
you, you can't just do without it. I mean, here we are. It's two generations after after uh, God and Bible were were asked to remove themselves from from the American public schools, and people can't tell the difference between a man and a woman anymore. I, I mean, j- j- I mean, you you have to think about that. I mean, people are using reason. You can't say they're not reasoning. You know, all these professors writing these theories. I mean, they they they, they have reason coming out of their 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 ears. The the problem is not that they're not reasoning. the the pro- The problem is that that their reason is is detached from any kind of humility uh, about about the demands of reality, right. as you say, but also about the 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 demands of of uh, uh, of a God who who. <laughs> who knows a thing or two that we don't know? No, I I I appreciate uh, that argument. Uh, I I will also say that in, in reading all your works uh, through the years, uh, what frustrates me is that uh, I wish you'd first met a Protestant advocate of natural law rather than a Catholic advocate of natural law because they're two different things. Um, right. Both talking about the natural law, but the Protestant limitations, uh, understanding I should say of limitations upon natural law. Uh, in, in terms of the of human sinfulness, uh, are, uh, are and so they're they're equal and opposite uh, uh, assertions. Number one is Romans one, uh, you know that that uh, even the invisible attributes of God are clearly seen in the things that are made, so that they are without excuse. Uh, but immediately thereafter, Paul doesn't say, "Here's how successful human beings are at figuring this out." He goes right into here's the here's the descent into utter depravity. Uh, that that happens nonetheless, and uh, and and so you know again we have to come back again and uh, and say look it, the the problem is that uh, if you deny God if you deny the tradition based upon scriptural reasoning and 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 common sense as you say if you if if you reject everything from the English common law uh, and and the 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 grounding of uh, of Anglo American constitutionalism. Then all you are left with is politics. That's all. That's all you've got, and, and I think that's that's where we have arrived. And I'm frustrated. So many people think they're conservative. I think they're instead on the right, maybe or slightly on the right. Right. That they're increasingly agreeing that it's just politics. I think if it's just politics, we're doomed. Yeah. Well, the, 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 there is a worldview like that in which uh, uh, there's nothing but power and uh, the things people believe compete with one another just because they're associated with different power groups and each power group has its own view and none of that is connected to truth and uh that that's that is that's something that that conservatives are are accused of you hear it more and more is is uh uh well those traditions you're talking about they just they're just masking a power structure you know that's the marxist reading of it there's some truth to it. It's not absolutely false, but the, the the but but the reason that it's false is that that our traditions are the tool that we use to approach the truth. Um, we uh, we we're part of a tradition of seeking the truth, and uh, and you know a, a person can always get to the point of saying you know my my tradition's no good. I think it, I'm going to switch to a different tradition because I think they're better at it. But one thing human beings cannot do is they, you know, the, you, you leave one, you leave one power hierarchy and you enter another one. You can't free yourself from it. That I mean, that's, that that's what human beings are like. But the question is, is, is the hierarchy that you're a part of, is it actually trying to get to the truth or is, is that just a cynical cover 
you know, for doing harm to people you despise because you despise them. And I, I completely agree that 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 uh, uh, it, it, that that's where we've ended up. And um, look, I I I don't um, I, I I care an awful lot about uh, uh, about America's future. And I, that's before you point out that you know if if the the world is going to be run by China it's going to be very difficult. It's going to be very, very, very hard for us, uh, for all of us. And um, so uh, we need a restoration and that the way, the way through to that restoration um, is, uh, can only be through a, uh, through a repentance, through a, a, um, a, a rediscovery of the original sources of, uh, uh, of America's strength and Britain's strength Um you know, I'll, I'll just say something a little bit hopeful, which is that um, I, I know the trajectory looks terrible, but I think it's important to remember that that human beings are just really bad at seeing the future. Uh, we, we, you know, we, 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 we did not almost nobody saw the collapse of the Soviet Union coming. You remember there must have been two guys right? <laughs> and almost nobody saw the the. Uh, the, the 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 housing bubble and the 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 crash of the you know the world economy almost nobody saw the the return of nationalism Trump and Brexit was a complete surprise and 2020 the you know the 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 resurgence of of the of the new Marxism well you know it, all of us just about all of us were taken by surprise that by how successful that was so let's I I think we should just be humble about this sometimes. Um, uh, we we have to do what we have to do, and and I think it's pretty clear what we need to do, and uh, it's up to God whether He rewards our actions, uh, and and our and 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 our and, and our hearts. I mean, if if He wants to, He'll He'll reward it, and we'll succeed. Um, I think I think the societies that we live in are are um, if, if if they fall, it's it's not like nobody's warned us. Right. Yeah, there's so many things I'd love to pick up on just uh, from uh, uh, the, the last few minutes of, of your conversation there. But I, I, I do want to say that as you're looking at, uh, at for instance, this, this sudden rise of Marxism, and I say sudden because I, I really confronted it first when I was a teenager. Um, right. But it was uh, Marcuse and I mean, all the, it, it was uh, Habermas and all this, but they, they, uh, they they appeared to have very little traction on the ground. Well, now they got a lot of traction on the ground. But the problem is that, that the the more Marxist Marxism is, the the less plausible it is, even within Marxist structures for very long. I mean, you know, by the time you get to the Bolshevik Revolution, Marx is a symbol. You know, they they've really abandoned Marxism, and so I'm very interested in what's going to be happening on the left uh, in, in the United States because, um, you know, when they actually try to push their their ideology on the American people it doesn't work very well. But what they do is keep pressing the envelope and uh, and subverting uh, uh, you know the the traditional authorities in the United States and putting everything in an ethos of liberation in such a way that uh, the society is going to have to make some fundamental choices go, going forward. and uh, those choices will be either conservative or liberal in the classic sense. and uh, there's still an argument to be had. That's why you wrote your book. Right. 
It's true. There's still an argument to be had, and uh, we need to make to make the best possible use we can of the uh, of the time we have. Yeah. It, it, it's it's really now or never. I mean, uh, people who've been sitting on the sidelines for you know since the 1980s. I mean, Alan Bloom, yes. right? The closing of the yeah. American Mind. Oh, yeah. He he his, he said, "Take a look at what's in the universities. This is going to take. This is just going to take over." That you know, there's one guy who basically did see it. Um, so we've been hearing this for a long time, and and uh, uh, and uh, uh, there, a lot of good people have, have have done all sorts of good things, but there, it hasn't been strong enough. It hasn't been big enough. It, it hasn't been devout enough. It it, it it it's now or never. Uh, the bravest argument you make in your book is not the argument for nationalism. It's not the argument for the Anglo-American. Um, conservative uh, tradition. The bravest argument you make in your book is one that I have not seen anyone make in decades uh, in, in this way. And that is that uh, conservatism requires conservative lives. And I just want to tell you, I really appreciate uh, your courage in addressing that so forthrightly. Uh, I, I'd really invite you to spell that out just a bit. Well, another part of the liberal framework is this idea that, you know, that government is one thing and individuals, private individuals are another thing and there's no connection between them. Uh, and and that's just that that just isn't true. Um, if you know, when if uh, Donald Trump is the president, then he just he doesn't need to legislate or enact anything, just his his words shape the, the, the way that the culture uh, uh, is, the way people see things for good and for bad. If uh, Barack Obama's president, the same, J just, just his stature and his capacity to communicate shape the culture. The go go government and society are, uh, are, are completely intertwined. There's, there is no way to separate them. And what, what that means is that, you know, we have, you know, a, a whole generation of very well-meaning um, uh, uh, conservative activists who think that if, you know, if they stand up for, I don't know, let's say uh, uh, pro-family policies or, or uh, oppose abortion. I mean, the, the, I'm not, the, these are obviously important things, but they think that if they're, if they're speaking on the right side and if they're, you know, holding the right signs, then, then they're conservatives. But there is no separation between public life and private life. The real, the real test of whether you're a conservative is if you're a conservative person. If you're leaving, leading a conservative life, a person who is um, uh, this is going back to conservatism being about tradition. Either you are plugged into um, a society at this point, it, it, it's usually an, you know an Orthodox uh, Christian congregation or Orthodox Jewish congregation. It, either you're plugged into the chain of transmission, so that older people who are handing down things. Genuine things from you know from from, from the past that, that that they know about are there to teach you. Either you're 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 there and receiving it, or or you're not actually a conservative. You're a, a person. You're a liberal with some conservative opinions, and um, I I I think that you know it, it, 
the argument about what pub, what public policy needs to be, it has, has to happen. But the real argument, the real decisive place where uh, the future of, of American Western democracy is going to be decided is if these uh, is w- when these young people in their 30s um, who who want to save their, you know, their country, their, their their tradition, but are living completely liberal lives. You know, they just keep putting off getting married and they keep putting off having children. And, uh, you know, it, serving in the military is, you know, is is just too much of a burden. And, and you know, they would feel like complete uh, jokers if they, you know, if they began to keep the Sabbath or if they actually opened the Bible and studied it. I mean, uh, all of this, it, it has a huge, huge impact a, a person who is not plugged into the tradition, not part of the chain of transmission, doesn't really know what a conservative is. So uh, someone asked me the other day, you know, and, and it was a young man saying, you know, who is a conservative? And I said, a conservative man is a man who, before turning to political theory, uh, marries his wife, honors his wife, is faithful to his wife, does not divorce his wife, with his wife, welcomes children into the world and considers it their first obligation to transmit uh, the truth and the faith uh, to their own children. Uh, it, it, we we do get to politics. We do get to world affairs. But uh, I appreciated so much the fact that uh, that you offered this as a principle that uh, you know that a conservative is one who lives a, a, a conservative life. And as you say, there are so many young people who think themselves conservatives, but they're just animated by ideas. But they're. Uh, they're as reckless, some of them, in terms of their personal lives, as anyone on the far left. And the odd thing is, uh, Yoram, on the other hand, uh, is that you have uh, you have people who on the left, uh, and and by that I really don't mean the 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 squad. I I don't mean that far on the left. That I don't know them, but there are people, you know, working at the Brookings Institution and and on the the the, the faculty at Yale uh, or in your case Princeton. And they hold to very liberal ideas, except at home. And the, in, the, the consistency of life that I aim for is one in which, in other words, they're liberal ideas, but, but they live very conservative lives at home. Uh, and and I, I just want to come back and say, I think wholeness, honesty is, uh, is found in, uh, in living by conservative principles, yes, but living conservative lives and uh, showing others the, the virtue in that. So I am so indebted to you for this conversation and, and for your books. And uh, your, your books are so fertile. Um, I want to talk about everything from uh, reason and revelation uh, in, in terms of how we understand scripture to, uh, well, you know, ontology. Uh, you are an unusually uh, brave writer. You're an unusually good thinker. And uh, I just uh, I want more people to read uh, your, your works. And most importantly, this latest book, Conservatism, A, a Rediscovery, coming out from Regnery Gateway. Um, Yoram Mazzoni, thank you so much for joining me for Thinking in Public. I, I very much appreciate the conversation. Uh, I, I hope we see each other in real life soon. We'll have to make that happen. Many thanks to my guest, Yoram Mazzoni, for thinking with me today. If you enjoyed today's episode of Thinking in Public, you will find more than 150 of these conversations at albertmuller.com under the tab Thinking in Public. For more information on the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, go to sbts.edu. For information on Boyce College, go to boycecollege.com. Thank you for joining me for Thinking in Public. Until next time, 
keep thinking.